and good morning and welcome to this Independence Weekend and you're in church. I am so glad you're in church because that means you still got it straight. God and country. It's God and country. Sometimes we tend to get those a little bit reversed. But at the same time, I want to address, you know, the one thing about being a pastor emeritus is like I'm a dead man. You don't have my email, you can't hurt me, you know, anymore. Uh, you can't hurt Bill anymore, it's great. You know, no more, uh, the music was too loud. It's great, which means we can address those issues that maybe uh, might be a little touchy. I guess what I want to address is, is it okay for me to do this? Uh, yeah, you, you, you say that out of emotion, but do you have any biblical basis for saying that? That's what I want to address, because there are faiths that will not even permit their, their children to give the Pledge of Allegiance because they feel that that makes this an object of worship. And for some, maybe it has become an object of worship. But I, I want to ask Bill to hold my flag because I want to get it a little later because if I'm right, and I think I am, I'll be waving that baby, all right? One day in February of 1832, young seminary student was sitting in his room there in Massachusetts at Andover Seminary. He was going over a collection of German songs for children given to him by one of his friends. His name was Samuel Francis Smith. As he hummed through some of them, uh, one caught his attention. And because he spoke German, he, he knew the lyrics. But he was moved to write his own to this tune. And these were the lyrics he received. My country, tis of thee, sweet land of liberty, of thee I sing. Land where my fathers died, land of my, the pilgrim's pride, from every mountainside lit freedom ring. Makes you feel a little patriotic. But that's my question for the morning. Should it? Does it? Can it? I mean, Peter told us in 1 Peter chapter 2 that we are aliens and strangers to this land. Paul, 2 Corinthians 5, says we are ambassadors to this world we live in. Paul later tells us in, in uh, uh, Philippians 3 that our citizenship, our citizenship is in heaven. When I was... Uh, Young, as I mentioned last week, the reason this ear is larger than this ear is this is the ear my mother pulled to get me to go to church. And then I had to go to children's church. And we used to always sing this song, this world is not my home, I'm just a passing through. So what is it? I read of one church that's actually doing baptisms under the American flag as it covers the cross. I mean, it's, it's, what, are we to be patriotic or not as Christians who know and love and follow Jesus Christ? I know we have all kinds of emotions and feelings, but I'm talking according to truth and scripture and our faith, God and country. Where does country fit in when we talk about worshiping and loving our God as children of the Heavenly Father? I looked up the word patriotic. You know, all it means is it speaks of fellow countrymen. To be patriotic simply means that we uh, uh, connect with fellow countrymen. We engage with fellow countrymen. Well, is it okay for me to engage with fellow countrymen in this nation of ours? 
this nation of ours. It's an interesting term. Is this nation ours? And how does this fit with the kingdom of God? Jesus said the kingdom of God is in our hearts. Remember the Lord's Prayer? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Remember the Lord's Prayer. Jesus is our leader. He's our king. He's our Lord. We basically follow him above all others. No question. And yet then I read this in Romans 13. Let every person be in submission to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God. And those which exist are established by God. Therefore, he who resists authority has opposed the very ordinance of God. And they who have opposed will receive condemnation upon themselves. You know who the president is at this time when Paul writes this in Rome? Nero. It was a tough time being a Christian at that time. Yet Paul writes, For rulers are not a cause of fear of for good behavior, but for evil. Do you want to have no fear of authority? Do what is good, and you will have the praise from the same. For it is a minister of God to you for good. But if you do what is evil, be afraid. For it does not bear the sword for nothing. For it is a minister of God, an avenger who brings wrath upon the one who practices evil. Therefore, it is necessary to be in submission, not only because of wrath, but because of conscience' sake. Does this make me a fellow countryman of those around me? Is it okay for me to be patriotic and wave a flag? Remember that lawyer last week? Well, not last week, but we read about him last week. In Matthew 22, Remember when he asked Jesus what's the most important thing God ever said? I mean, out of everything you've got here in the Bible, what is the one statement that's the most important compared to all the statements according to Jesus Christ, the one we follow? Remember how Jesus answered the question when the lawyer said, what's the greatest of all the commands? Jesus said, you shall love the Lord God with all your heart, your soul, your mind. And the way you do that is the second command, he says, is as important as the first. Upon these two commands, all the law and all the prophets, everything God has ever said, rest on these two commands. Love God, and the second command was, and love your neighbors yourself. See, God wasn't, remember, going to leave it up to us with our wacko definitions on how we're going to love God, because God knew we'd come up with hundreds of religions, all saying we're loving God. Thousands of ceremonies, a whole bunch of rituals. Some are going to embrace violence, chop people's heads off, and say it's because it's their expression of loving God. God goes, no, 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 no. I'm not going to let you come up with how you're going to love me with all your heart, soul, and mind. I'll tell you exactly how I will be loved. You'll love me by loving your neighbors yourself, and you don't love your neighbors yourself. You're not loving me. John goes so far to say you don't even know God. If you're not loving your neighbors yourself, loving one another. You know, I've always been told that religion and politics don't mix. Later on, Jesus said that my neighbor, when he was defined, well, who's my neighbor? 
Remember how Jesus answered that? It's the person right in front of you who is in a need. The good Samaritan. And so Jesus defines, my neighbor is the one in front of me, with me, who is in need. If I'm going to love God, then I am going to love them as I would love myself. Those are my fellow countrymen. So what about this religion and politics, not mixing? We've got lawsuits over separation of church and state. And by the way, if you ever read the Constitution, you will not find one statement about separation of church and state. What you will find is a warning that the government is not to set up a state church. It's to keep the government out of the pews, which may become an issue in the future. But as for people bringing their religious faith into their political world, it was never a question. Religion and politics. But I thought we're not supposed to talk about those things. Holly and I were with uh, Wayne and Margaret Grudem for dinner last week. And uh, Holly says, the world's my playground. I just talk to anybody, anytime, just because I enjoy it. And as, as the server came to our table... I, I said, we're talking about religion and politics. And she turned white. <laughs> she backed up and said, well, I, I, I was always raised to never talk about those things. And never together. And here we are in church. Where I can talk about whatever I want. <laughs> religion, politics. My religion, my politics. Well, 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 what is religion anyway? Well, I don't know, but I know it's bad. Wait, 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 wait. Don't, don't be so quick. Would you be interested in knowing, according to God, what is pure and absolute, undefiled religion? And let God define it, not your friend or your neighbor. Here's what God says in the 27th verse of James chapter 1. This is pure and undefiled religion in the sight of our God and Father to visit orphans and widows in their distress. That is, love your neighbor as yourself, the person in front of you who's hurting. And to keep oneself unstained by the world. Well, if that's pure religion, it's basically loving your neighbor as yourself. But what is politics? Well, I don't know, but I know it's bad. Wait a second. Paulus speaks of life in a city. And the purest form of the definition of politics is simply this. It is the art of people living together in a community, in a city, in a country. That's all it is. It is the art of people living together in a country, in a city, in a community. John Stott, wonderful English clergyman, wrote about our engagement with our countrymen the world we live in. He wrote this, why should Christians get involved? In the end, there are only two possible attitudes which Christians can adopt towards the world. One is escape, and the other is engagement. Escape means turning our back, stealing our hearts against its agonized cries for help. Engagement means turning our faces towards the world with compassion feeling deep within us the stirring of the love of God, which cannot be contained, end of quote. That night he was crucified in John 17. Later he would pray with sweats of blood from his brow. 
But it began with his prayer in John 17 when he said, Lord, I, I pray, don't take them out of the world. Don't, don't, don't take them out of the world. But protect them from the evil one. Because he knew the evil one would be the one who would desire for us to become loveless beings. Not loving our neighbors, ourself, and thus not loving God. So how do we respond to our fellow countrymen? Is it okay for me to be patriotic? Is it okay for me to wave a flag and, and uh, watch the fireworks last night and maybe light up a little uh, toasty thing? <laughs> sparkler, thank you for the help. A little sparkler. <laughs> there was a beggar who knocked on the door of an English pub one evening. The pub was called George and the Dragon. A woman opened the door, and when he asked for a bite to eat, she screamed at him, ridiculed him, cursing and maligning him, finally slamming the door in his face. Stood there for a while, then he knocked again, and a woman opened the door. And this time he asked, now could I have a few words with George? I'll wait for the rest of you. You know, in the first service... Nobody got it. I had to wait about three minutes. How do we respond to people who make up our community of Scottsdale, make up our state of Arizona, make up our country of the United States, America? Do we respond as George or the dragon? Open your Bibles to the book of Galatians. Paul's going to help us with this. Because here in Galatians chapter 6, some say it's even Paul's first letter, he's writing to some folks that really have got this, this situation and they're a little confused. Because you see, they're citizens of Galatia. But Rome's can take annex them, so now they're citizens of Rome. So now they don't know they're citizens of, they've come to Christ, so are they citizens of Rome, are they citizens of Galatia, or are they citizens of heaven? And Paul says, let me help you with this. In the last chapter of Galatians, he says this in verse 6. And let the one who is taught the word share all good things with him who teaches. So don't get angry. I mean, I'm teaching you here. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. But whatever a man sows, this he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh shall from the flesh reap corruption. But, but the one who sows into the Spirit shall from the Spirit reap eternal life. So let us not lose heart in doing good. For in due time we shall reap if we do not grow weary. Here he's talking about God not being mocked. As you reap what you sow. And if you basically just sow to yourself, if self-absorption, selfishness is all you're really about, then he says you're simply going to reap corruption, nothing. There'll be nothing really in your hands to show that your life had any meaning and purpose. Remember we talked about it last week? That, that deep sense of meaning, purpose, is that deep sense in the soul of usefulness. When Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive, that wasn't a joke. He says literally, it's only when you are giving and investing in others that you ever, ever have this sense of usefulness and thus any sense of purpose or meaning in your life. If you're a taker, you define your whole life basically sowing to your own flesh, gathering, getting, grabbing from everyone else, 
You may have a lot of stuff. The problem is you'll never have a sense of being useful because takers are never useful, only the givers. And so here, it says you sold to the Spirit. You'll be about leaning forward, loving God by loving your neighbors yourself, being concerned about their well-being. It says that's when you're sold to the Spirit, and that's when you're going to reap, notice he says, eternal life. Jesus already defined that in John 17. You're going to reap a relationship with the Heavenly Father and His Son and one another. You'll have relationships. And in your relationship with God, you will experience His presence in, in such a way that others don't. And what am I talking about? You will experience the presence of His love. This isn't kissy-facey, huggy-body kind of love. This is a deep sense of recognizing the great worth of human beings. Most human beings don't even remember that they're created in the image of God. And as they're created in the image of God, they bear the image of God. And God expects His children, when He's loved, to be the first ones to recognize that dignity, recognize that every human being bears the image of God, and therefore to lean forward and to communicate that worth by being concerned about their well-being. That's the love of God that is shed out through our own hearts. But he says, don't lose heart. What does he mean, don't lose heart? It's when you really no longer want to care about others. And we're honest, we all sometimes come to that. I know sometimes I do. And I'm a caring guy. But you know, those razor-sharp edges like shards of broken glass that broken people cut you with from time to time when you're trying to help them. Sometimes you get tired of the bleeding, of caring for people. Because do we love them? Oh, yeah. But people can be so disappointing. And people can be so painful. And so it is so tempting to come to a point that you grow weary you just don't want to care anymore. So what would keep us from not growing weary about caring, celebrating the dignity of those who bear the image of God, no matter how they behave, how disappointing, how painful? What would I, why would I continue to bleed? Answer simple. Because my Heavenly Father would be pleased. Because what drives me, it's not the love of people. It's not that people deserve to be loved. Of course they do not. God deserves to be loved, and God has called us to love His own, and that's the way we love Him. See, every once in a while, every once in a while, I can hear that whisper, especially when it's really hard to care. It's the whisper I hear deep in my soul. Well done, son. Well done, son. Do you remember that movie, Babe? Please tell me you remember it. It was about 10 years ago, because this won't make sense if you didn't. But remember, it's about this, this farmer uh, with a pig. And the pig thinks he's a sheepdog. And remember, the pig does the sheepdog stuff. Well, finally, at the, they had the big sheepdog competition. And remember, everybody's mocking the farmer, and they're mocking the pig, and they think the thing's a big joke. Finally, the pig wins the whole tamale. Remember, at the very end, everybody's standing up there cheering. Farmer's in the middle of the field, and there's the pig at his feet. And remember the last words of the movie? Farmer looks down and he says, that will do, pig. 
You know, that's what I'm looking forward to someday. Is have the Heavenly Father look down to me and say, that will do, pig. <laughs> because that is why I do what I do. That is why. God and country, it's God and country. God is the one I love, the country he's placed me in. But I'm an ambassador too. I'm an alien only in the sense that I'm bringing the love of my Heavenly Father to those who dwell in my, as my countrymen in my country. I'm loving God by loving them. Paul says, as a citizen, do good. There's a job description. As a patriotic citizen, one thing, do good. Look at verse 10, he nails it. So then while we have opportunity, let us do good to all men, and especially those of the household of faith. Oh yeah, there's a priority of my brothers and sisters in Christ. But as a citizen, as an American, he says, do good unto all men, all women. Well, what's this good he's talking about? The word basically means to care about the be and benefiting another person's well-being. In other words, it's loving your neighbors yourself. That's the good. To recognize they bear the image of God, lean forward, communicate that worth of their dignity by being concerned about their well-being. Listen, what's going to last forever? It's really a short list. God will last forever. God's word will last forever. There's only one other thing that's going to last forever. You. People. People. What, 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 what if my politics was actually driven by my religion? Not driven by my opinion on economics. Well, what if my politics was not driven on the desire of my rights and to protect my rights? What if my religion actually was driving my politics? My religion was all about caring for the well-being of my countrymen and loving God by doing so. Things in our country have been changing and some of them don't sound very good. But I've been told we're becoming more enlightened, more educated, more sophisticated than those of 100, 200 years ago. I don't know. Do you know children in America in the late 1800s had to take an exit exam from middle school if they wanted to pass? Here's just a sampling of some of the questions these uneducated kids, these unsophisticated, backward kids had to answer. Describe three of the most prominent battles in the rebellion. Name events connected with the following dates, 1607, 1620, 1800, 1849, and 1865. Show the territorial growth of the United States. Name and locate the principal trade centers of the United States. Name all the republics of Europe and give the capital of each. Describe why Atlantic coast is colder than the Pacific at the same latitude. Talk about smarter than the fifth grader. I don't know. I'm not so sure we're evolving. I'm not so sure we're getting more educated. We, we play technology, which is really games extending stuff. But that's not education. 
Matter of fact, evolving, I think we might be just struggling a little bit of devolving. But either way, this is our country. This is our countrymen. This country contains our countrymen and countrywomen. Are we going to be patriotic or are we not? It's really this question. Am I going to love God the way God wants to be loved or am I not? God says, you're going to love me. You're going to love your neighbor as yourself. You're going to recognize that worth before you. You're going to communicate that worth by being concerned and do anything you can for their well-being. So how's my life going to count as an American citizen? There was a man that was dying in his bed. It's a true story. And his friend said all of a sudden he became obsessed with his hands. Like there was some, he kept looking, could not stop looking at his hands. Finally the friend asked him, what are you doing? And he just said, look at them. They're so empty. They're just so empty. What do you think is going to fill your hands? Make your life meaningful. Give you a sense of purpose. A sense that indeed you're loving your heavenly father. The way your heavenly father wants to be loved. John made it very clear. You're not loving one another. You're not loving your countrymen. You don't even know the heavenly father. Well, I tell you, my prayer for this 4th of July weekend is not so much God bless America. It's really about may we Americans begin to bless God by remembering what Jesus said in John 13. This command I give unto you. Love one another as I've loved you. For by this, by this, not by your view of economics, not by your view of the economy, not by your view of power or control or majority rule. But by this, he said, all men will know you are my disciples. That you love one another as I've loved you. That's how people will recognize you're actually also a citizen of heaven. The French statement of the 19th century, Alexis de Tocqueville. Very interesting, he's from France. My grandparents are from France. You know what our salute is? We give up. <laughs> Alexis was very curious about America. He's mesmerized by America. And so he came to visit America as he wanted to know what made America so unique. When he returned to France, he wrote this about America. Quote, I sought for the greatness and the genius of America in her commodious harbors and her ample rivers, and it was not there. In the fertile fields and the boundless prairies, and it was not there. Not until I went into the churches of America and heard her pulpits aflame with righteousness that I understand the secrets of her genius and power. America is great is because America is good. And if America ever ceases to be good, America will cease to be great. I can't make my country good. But I can pursue the good that's still in my country. This country, tis of thee I sing, of the sweet land of liberty. 
When does my religion meet my politics? It's when my religion drives my politics. And that what I'm concerned about is the care, the dignity, and the well-being of my countrymen. Well, how do you do that? It's just you. Good, I'm going to give you an answer this morning. This morning, you register to vote. Hmm. Why do I do this? I'm going to be 66. Why don't you retire? Don't pastors go out and to the pasture? <laughs> it's because of a promise of 125, James 125. It says, be not forgetful hearers, but effectual doers for this man, this woman, shall be blessed in whatever they do. I just want to see you under the blessing of God. And if loving God is loving my neighbors myself, and my neighbor is those in front of me in need, and those in front of me are my countrymen, patriotism, that I want to love God, so I want to love them. But it's a vote. Come on, you get one vote. You're going to mail that in, you're going to get up, get in your car, get in the line, you're going to vote. What, what's one vote going to do? Remember the fellow that opened the door for the flaming feminists? She was so offended. So you don't have to do that because I'm a lady. Remember he said, I didn't do it because you're a lady. I did it because I'm a gentleman. There's some things we do because of who we are. And how effective, how it's going to be responded, what happens is not the issue. The issue is I do this. I vote because it's the way I love God by loving my neighbors myself. It's the one thing I get to do to communicate the love of God through me to my country. Why would you not vote? Because you've run out of excuses this morning. So, if I really meant this, I probably would have contacted some folks to have a, a booth to register outside, wouldn't I? <laughs> Only if I really meant what I'm talking about. Mm. And I do. And there is. <laughs> and so if you're walking away, say, what's the, what's the walkway of this message? If you're not registered, you register this morning. Next time and every time we have an opportunity to vote, don't be thinking about it. It's only one vote. Ah, da, da. No, no, it's an opportunity. As long as Paul says we have opportunity, this is an opportunity given to us to love our nation. But here's what drives your vote. I am now going to tell you who and what to vote for. You ready? You vote for who and what you believe will provide the greatest care for your countrymen and be concerned about their well-being. That's how you vote. That's when your religion drives your politics, and you can be patriotic and give me my flag back. <laughs> Pray with me. Heavenly Father, thank you so much that we're not lost in a country. A lot of our brothers and sisters in Christ, they live in countries of oppression and have no freedom at all. How can we not celebrate Independence Day? How can we not wave a flag that represents 
a freedom that you've given us through many who have sacrificed, many of our countrymen, and their fathers and their fathers and their forefathers. Lord, I would pray that we would, since we have an opportunity, realizing that this voting thing is all about expression of our love for you and a way we can love our neighbors, ourselves, our fellow countrymen. Father, may this be true of our heart. We pray in the name of Christ. Amen. Amen.